Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it up and turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Uh, that's where we will uh, be this morning. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, uh, you can uh, follow along on your mobile device of choice, uh, or you can find uh, this reading in the Pew Bible that's provided for you in front of you. Uh, you can find this reading on page 441. You find us now in, a, in the throes of our summer series called Selah, and it's a summer in the Psalms. Uh, Selah is uh, what most suggest is a musical term, but the idea is that we would stop and we would pause and we would reflect. Uh, that's the intent of the term Selah, that it was, a, it was a, 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 that they would, in the reading, you would pause and think about what it was that was you were just reading. And so this summer, we would like to pause as a church, as a community, and to reflect and to allow our reflections on God through the Psalms. Uh, many suggest this was actually Jesus's hymnal uh, was the Psalms. Uh, we don't have the ability to go through all 150 psalms in the summer, uh, but we do have the opportunity to be able to read through them together. And so we've put together a reading list so you can check off the boxes. It's from, uh, it started Memorial Day, it ends on Labor Day, it takes us all the way through. Uh, so it's a 92-day reading list all the way through the psalms. And we would love for you to join us uh, so you can pick up one of these cards in the in any information center in the lobby. Or uh, if you're like me and you need a little bit extra help, you can sign up to be a part of the text messaging. So at 9 o'clock, every morning, you'll actually receive a text that will give you a link that goes right to uh, the Psalms for the day. So you don't have to do anything other than just push on the link. There it is. And then you can read the Psalms. And I need as much help as I can get. So that's what I do. Uh, I would love for you to be a part as we do that together. So let me do this. Let me read the Psalm. We'll have a brief prayer and then we'll study the word together. Psalm 23, beginning in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Father, we now in this morning hour turn our attention to your word. We have been singing your praises and we've been thinking about who you are, and now as we come to your word, as you have revealed yourself in your holy scriptures, we ask that you by your spirit will be our teacher and our helper and our guide. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I wonder this morning, and maybe this might be a good exercise if you were to do uh, in, in your notes, if you were able to take uh, and number one through 10, one of course being the, the, the smallest and 10 being the greatest, if you were to say on a scale of one to 10, this morning as you come here, how would you rate your contentment? If you were to give yourself a number and a scale of one to 10 on your contentedness, where would you rate? What number would you give? Would it be a three or a five or an eight? Or, and, and then the next question to follow up to that would be, and why? Why, why, do you, why do you give yourself that particular number? And then maybe even further to, to dwell on this and to think about this, if you were to ask your spouse or your 
parents or some other significant person, and they were to rate your contentment on a scale of one to 10, what number would they give you? Because they're the ones that have to listen to you, whine and complain about whatever it is. What, what, what is it? What would it be? It's, I find contentment to be something quite elusive. I find it to be something that, and it doesn't make sense because we have so much. We have so much, and yet we are content with so little. And so we go for more things or more trips or, or more stuff or more money in order to hope that we will actually reach the contentment place, the place where we're finally content with who we are and where we are and with life. And it's like in our minds, we have this idea. We have these ideas of how life ought to be, of how people should behave, of how our lives ought to turn out. And a lot of times, those aren't actually based in reality. They're just ideas that we've had, uh, that we think this is how things ought to be and how my life ought to go. And, and I think many of those times we actually uh, have unexamined expectations. We have these expectations, and we're not even aware that we even have all of the expectations that we have. We've, we haven't taken the time to reflect. We haven't taken the time to examine the expectations that we have. But then we, then we find ourselves, or, or as the writer Julie Donnelly puts it, she says this, when reality differs from your expectations, and it often does, then you feel stress or discontent. And the gap between your fantasies of how life should be and your reality causes you to feel like you're not enough, that life isn't working, that the grass is greener somewhere else, anywhere else, and you have difficulty feeling happy because life is not as it should be. And you don't know why, and you don't know what to do about it. You may have even changed your circumstances, divorced or remarried, got a new job or a new career or a new city, but the same feelings emerge, that sense that nothing is quite as it should be, that life is wrong, that you are wrong. I wonder if that resonates with any of us this morning. I wonder if it resonates with you like it does with me. This something that's out there, and then re but the realities of our lives don't always mesh up, and so we go, yeah, I mean, it's okay. The reason we bring that up is because Psalm 23 is a psalm about contentment. It's a psalm about contentment. Uh, D.A. Carson, a New Testament scholar from Trinity, says that David here in this psalm is articulating what he refers to as the rare jewel of contentment. David is articulating in this psalm the rare jewel of contentment. Jerry Bridges, an author and writer, says, contentment is not a spiritual luxury. Contentment with what we have is absolutely vital to our spiritual health. Contentment isn't a spiritual luxury. Contentment is vital to our spiritual health. And in Psalm 23, David is articulating the rare jewel of Christian contentment. So let us look together and study together this, this psalm, this brief psalm, First, we want to go to what I'll refer to as the place of contentment, where David begins. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This psalm is a picture of a shepherd and a sheep. David sees himself as a sheep and sees the Lord as the shepherd. And the sheep is content with the shepherd. And this is the picture that he's, that he's talking about. And so he, he begins by saying, the Lord 
Well, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the Lord. He's talking about God. He's speaking about the God of the Bible. He's speaking about the God of creation. He's speaking about the God of very gods. He's speaking about the God who is completely self-sufficient. He's speaking about God who lacks absolutely nothing. He's talking about God who, who has no need for wisdom because he is all wise. He's talking about God who is completely self-sufficient. He's talking about God who has no need of power because he is all-powerful. He's talking about God who does not need to be worshipped, does not need to be helped, does not need to be served. He is talking about God who is accountable to no one. He's talking about God who is the great I am. He's talking about the Lord. The Lord God of all creation, who always was, who always is, and who always will be. This is who he's speaking of. He's talking about the Lord. And then he says, that Lord is my shepherd. That Lord. The Lord who is the same yesterday, today, and forever is my shepherd. That's what he says. David says, this great God is my shepherd. That the God of the universe, the God over all creation, has stooped down so low as to be my shepherd. He's not just the shepherd over the universe. He's not just the shepherd over a group of people. He's not somehow delegated his shepherding duties to some lesser deity. No, this great God, the God of all creation, is my shepherd, he says. That's what he says. Therefore, I lack nothing. Therefore, I lack nothing. There is no need for me to be concerned because I know that the Lord, this, this great and majestic, powerful God is intimately involved in shepherding my life. He has it all under control. Therefore, he says, I lack nothing. This week I had the opportunity to go on a, a fourth grade field trip. I don't know if, how many of you had the chance to do that this week. I did. Um, and there was this kid who I didn't know. He was from another class or another school or something, but he wore this t-shirt and his, so these are nine, you're eight or nine and 10 year olds, right? He wore this t-shirt and said, I got this. And I thought, I wonder what he's got. I, I mean, I, I, immediately I thought probably the flu. I mean, so I'm going to stay away from that kid. You know, that's kind of where my mind went uh, because it's like, he's, he's nine. Like what, what exactly does he got? That's like so amazing. He's got to wear a t-shirt about it. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, but David is essentially saying, I can rest. I know I lack nothing because God's got this. My Lord, the Lord of all creation is my shepherd and he's got this. So I need not worry. I lack nothing. There is nothing that I lack because God's got this. Or to put it in a different way, Christian contentment is the inward quiet spirit that joyfully submits to God's providence. It is the inward quiet spirit that joyfully submits to the providence of God. This is the place of contentment because the Lord God Almighty is my shepherd. Therefore, what do I lack? I lack nothing. It's that place for the Christian. 
well, what are, the, what, what are the effects of? What are the signs of Christian contentment? And that's actually, on the slides I have the signs, but we'd probably be better helped by saying, what are the effects of Christian con- contentment? What are the effects of Christian contentment? And that's what we see the rest of the psalm. The first is this. There are six of them. Six effects or six signs of Christian contentment. The first is this, that we can rest. Verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. There's a pastor and a writer. His name is Philip Keller. He also happened to be a shepherd for eight years, and he wrote uh, on this particular psalm with some unique insights. And one of the things that he talked about is says it's hard to get sheep to actually lie down. It's difficult. There's actually four conditions that actually need to be met in order to get sheep to lie down. And some of you are experts on this, I know. But, so this will be purely review. But he says, he lists the four things. One, they have to be free from fear. Two, they have to be free from friction, so they can't be too close to, it, to one another. Thirdly, they must be free from flies. And fourthly, they, they, they can't be hungry. So fear, friction, flies, and food. And these are the things that need to be in, uh, the conditions that need to be met in order for sheep to be able to feel comfortable to actually lie down and to rest. And then he goes on to further state, and it is the responsibility of the shepherd to provide those conditions. The sheep can't do it on their own. It is the shepherd who has to make sure that all of the provisions are met in order that the sheep can actually rest. And that's, and that's what he's saying. That in order, it is the shepherd's responsibility to, to provide the trust and the peace and the deliverance and the pasture for them to be able to feel free to be able to rest. I don't know about you, but for me, when, I, when I'm stressed, when I'm fearful, when I'm in conflict, when I face and, and I'm under personal criticism, the first thing that goes in my life is rest. The first thing that goes, it, because my, my mind is unsettled, my heart is unsettled, and my body then becomes unsettled, and the place that is most difficult for me is then to rest. But Jesus, who in John 10 is referred to as the great shepherd, and says this, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and, I, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. David says, the shepherd makes me lie down, because he comes and he meets with those who are his sheep. He comes into our lives, and he, as the great shepherd, provides a place for our weary souls to come and rest. If we will unburden our hearts towards him and in him, we have a shepherd who is the Lord who says, come and let me shoulder your heavy load. Let me carry your burdens for you so that you might be able to find rest. The first effect of Christian contentment is that we are able to rest. It begins with rest. It begins with rest. A second sign or effect of, of contentment is that we then have life. Verse 3, he says, He refreshes my soul. He refreshes my soul. We have rest. The, the shepherd provides conditions for us to be able to rest, and then he refreshes our soul. 
Philip Keller talks about a condition for sheep that's called uh, when the sheep are cast. I don't know if you're familiar. So the sheep will, particularly the sheep that have heavy coats, so they're either fat coats or or, or long coats of of hair, they will actually lay down in a hollow or like in a crevice. They'll lay down to rest. And then um, they'll they'll try to get comfortable and stretch and have a tendency because their coats are heavy to actually flip over onto their backs or their feet are no longer touching the ground. And so, um, and, and they've fallen and they can't get up is what actually happens. They're stuck there uh, on their backs. And what happens is gases begin to build up and starts to cut off the circulation to their legs. And if they're left in that particular, uh, that particular position for too long, maybe just hours, they would actually die. So it is the responsibility of the shepherd to be able to attend to the sheep, to find those who are cast, and then he will, he will actually right-size them. But sometimes they've been there so long that they can't actually, their, their circulation has stopped, and so he has to get the circulation going back into the sheep's legs. And so the shepherd will massage and be working on the sheep's legs in order to get the, 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 the circulation going again so that the sheep can have life. And sometimes for us, we find ourselves... Uh, going along in life, and all of a sudden we find ourselves on our back. Spiritually speaking, or because of life circumstances, we find ourselves on our back, and we find ourselves stuck in this, this, this place. And it is the Lord who is our shepherd who comes and massages his promises and his word into our hearts, into our weary souls, in order that we may be able to have life. He speaks life into those who are his sheep. He massages, and that's what the shepherd does. And you know that because you've experienced it, haven't you? It may have, as God has, he, in, in John chapter 10, Jesus again, who in this wonderful passage is talking about, he's the great shepherd. He says, I have come that they may have life and, and life to the full. He's talking about a sheep. He's come that a sheep may have life and they may have life to the full, that you and I may have life and life to the full because it is with the word of God. It is sometimes just a sermon that's, that hits right where you need to be and it is God who is massaging his word. Sometimes it's a devotional. Sometimes it's a conversation with a friend. Sometimes it's an article that you read online. But all of it is your great shepherd who is massaging his word and speaking life into you. It is his work in your life that is giving you life, which breeds contentment in his children. He gives us life. He gives us rest. A third effect, a third effect of Christian contentment is we have a guide. We have rest, we have life, and we have a guide. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, he says. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Sheep can easily wander away from the safety of the flock. Sheep can often wander away from the care of the shepherd. And we too can easily wander away from the flock of God. We can wander away from the counsel of the shepherd. It's easy for us to get distracted by so many things. And then we find ourselves all of a sudden not having communion and regular fellowship with the flock of God, with the people of God. You know, there was a... I came across this article. It was not an article. It was a news headline. And it said that there was, there was actually, um, there's, on Tuesday of this week, there was a flock of over 1,000 sheep that actually were found roaming through a city center of Huseca in northeast, the city of Huseca in northeastern Spain. 
So, so there's the city, and all of a sudden, there's, a, there's over a thousand sheep that are just roaming the streets of, of this city in Spain, right? And they had escaped from their shepherd because their shepherd had fallen asleep. He had fallen asleep, and so the sheep just started roaming away, and he had no clue. And so there are police officers actually, and you can go online and look at the pictures. They, there's some video too. They actually were moving these, these, this flock of the, over, over a thousand sheep back to the shepherd. And, by the, and from what I understand, by the time they got him back, he was still asleep. So he had no idea that the sheep were even gone or now they're back. I mean, this is crazy, crazy thing. Um, we don't have a shepherd who falls asleep. We don't have a shepherd who falls asleep. Who, we don't have a shepherd who falls asleep at the wheel in guiding of our lives. But we have one who is always awake and always tending to our needs. And is always, according to David, he guides me along the right paths. He's continually guiding me along the right paths. We have the built-in GPS system, the navigation system of his spirit that is guiding our paths and guiding our ways. The challenge with that, of course, there's great comfort in that, isn't there? There's great comfort in knowing that we have a God who's actually guiding our paths in the right ways. The challenge of that is if we don't like the ways where our life is going. You say, well, I don't like what's going on. I don't like actually where God is leading. I, my, I, I don't find the circumstances of my life to be appealing at all. And actually, that's a part of my discontent is the circumstances of my life, quite frankly. And I've been praying to God, and I've been praying that God would change the situation. I've been praying that God would actually make something different. But I think all of my prayers are going directly to his voicemail because he apparently isn't listening or doesn't want to answer my calls. It's like me. He's just going, yeah, nope, not today. He's going directly to voicemail. But God, who is our great shepherd, knows what is best for his sheep because his, he knows his sheep and the sheep know his voice. He always leads us in the ways that are best because he knows all things. Listen to John 10, 11, uh, verses 11 through 13. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the, sh- is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf attacks the flock, and it scatters. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. There are a lot of people that are telling you, that are trying to tell you the guide way, the, the right guide for your life, the right pathway for your life, where you ought to go. And Jesus says, there, there's not an absence of people that are telling you where to go. But when it gets hard, they will run away. They will leave you exposed, but I am the good shepherd. And I will guide you in the right ways. And I, and you know what? You know it's hard. You know it's difficult. But I will lay down my life. That's how you know that I will never abandon you. That the way that I'm is the right way. Or in those moments when we cry out to God in frustration, our good shepherd, knowing, saying, this isn't where I want to be, God. This isn't the direction I want my life to go. Why am I here? God is saying to us, when a child of mine makes a request, I give that person what he or she would have asked for if, she, if, if they know what I know. 
when my children make a request, then I always give them what they would have asked for if they know everything that I know. Because he's the good shepherd. He always does what is best for his sheep. And so he's leading you in the paths that are always right. And so we rest in that. We take, we take great comfort in that. And it leads to our contentment when we know this about our shepherd. We have a, we have a path. We also have safety. Another effect of walking, uh, of Christian contentment is that we have safety. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley, through, through the darkest valley, I, fear, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Other places, says, in this world you will have trouble. As we follow Jesus, then there will be those who oppose us. There will be those who resist us. There will be, Jesus says that. If we're truly living out authentic faith, there will be those who are, who are resistant to that lifestyle and to what we think and to what we believe. In this world, you will have trouble. Contentment for the Christian is not an absence of conflict or difficulty. If that is a part of our definition of contentment, then we'll never find contentment. But Christian contentment, he says, no, it's not the absence of difficulty. What he's saying here is that this is actually about the shepherd's ability to protect the sheep in the moment of danger. When the, when the moment comes of danger, then that's when we know that the shepherd will protect us, that his rod and his staff will comfort us. A life of contentment is not absence of the darkest valley. No, contentment is not mere absence of difficulty, but is knowing that when the difficulty comes, the shepherd will not leave me, but the shepherd will stay, and he will comfort me, and he will protect me, and he will bring us to safety. Jim Boyce, who, James Boyce, who is the pastor at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia for a number of years, says this, we are never so conscious of the presence of God as when we path, pass through life's valleys. Has that been your experience? A couple of nights ago, did you know the storm that rolled through in the middle of the night? I didn't know it. I was passed out in my bed. Uh, but my daughter knew it. And the next thing I know, then my daughter is in between my wife and I. Because in the storm of the night, she didn't want to be alone. I don't know I don't sure what she thought I was going to do. Because um, I, I don't have a lot of control over those things. But we have a great shepherd who controls the wind and the waves in every storm in life. You have a shepherd. You have a shepherd who can lead you through the darkest of valleys, and his rod and his staff will comfort you. You have one who will bring you to safety. A couple years ago, I was under some of the most difficult um, criticism that I've ever received for my life in ministry. And in the midst of those times, I called two people, two men, and they spoke life to me. They reminded me of the promises of God. They counseled me. Who counseled me? Who brought me to safety? God. How? Through these two men. 
Do you understand that God uses one another in our lives as agents of his work and and, and his way agents of his comfort, that we are to comfort one another, that we are those whom God uses in each other's lives in order to restore and to bring life and to be able to uphold and to walk with one another. So when we call you to get into a small group, to get into relationships with other people within the church, it's not because we're trying to pad our stats on small groups. Right? That's, that's not what, it's so that you can actually walk through life with people who are actually worshiping God and believing the same promises that you believe, who are reading the same Bible that you're reading, and we're walking through life together because guess what? The darkest valleys are coming. They will come in all of our lives, and it is God who cares and tends for his sheep, and he uses his other sheep in order to sustain us, to comfort us, to help us as we go through the journeys of life. Well, a fifth, a fifth effect of contentment is we have provision. We have provision. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Some suggest that David is actually changing the metaphor, and they may be right. Um, However, I still think the whole shepherd metaphor applies, and I think so because of this. Because a shepherd is still to go ahead of his flock and be able to find a pasture that is actually going to provide the provision that a sheep actually need. That he goes ahead and he actually provides a table. He, He provides the provision. David says that we have a shepherd. Our shepherd provides overflowing provision for his sheep. That in those days, oil and wine were of high value in the Near East. And in Palestine, of course, it was, if you thought yesterday or those last few days were hot here, go to Palestine because it's hot all the time. And, and what happens is you get the, the, the weather, it begins to crack your skin. Um, and so they would use oil to be able to help soothe the skin, and it's particularly on the face. And then they would give wine because it would actually soothe the, soothe the throat from being parched. And so what he's, the picture here, He says, when a guest is to arrive at home, they would actually receive oil for their skin to soothe their skin, and then they would actually receive wine in order to be able to soothe their throat because from the difficulties of the travel of the journey. And we have a shepherd. And says, if you will allow God to lead you where, if we allow God to lead us where he will, then he will lead us to a place where we will have the provision that only he can provide. That when we allow our great shepherd to lead us and to guide us, and when we follow his voice, because we know his voice and we follow his voice, then we will receive the purest of oils that will actually, that will actually be a balm for us in the weariness of the journey. That if we allow, if we follow him, and if we trust the great shepherd as we go through the ups and downs and the valleys and peaks of life, then we will actually receive a cup that is overflowing with the truest of joys. Because he is our shepherd and he provides for those who are his sheep. And finally this, that we have a home. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Part of Christian contentment is knowing where you're headed, knowing where the journey is going, Where does the road of life lead? It leads into the very presence of Almighty God. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you, for you. 
your shepherd, almighty God who is your shepherd is going to prepare a place for you so that you can go there and find his rich provision and you can find comfort. He's preparing a place for you. And he says, and I'm going to come back and take you to be where I am. I'm, I'm... Last night we had uh, one of my best friends, um, all from junior high, sixth grade, I think, is the, was when we met. They, he and his family came into town, and um, they, they're on a journey, right? So they, they rented an RV, and so um, parked in front of my house was just this big RV, um, <clears throat> which couldn't stay there. But anyway, um, so he says, well, can, well, you want, can I show you the RV? I'm like, well, sure. So we went, and, and we looked at the marvels of an RV, and it's really amazing, a little mobile house, right? I mean, these things are cool. And so it, they, there they are, and we looked at the whole thing. And so they're going to go on a, a two-week or two-and-a-half-week journey as a family, uh, which, is, which is fantastic. Um, but at some point, they need to go home. As comfortable as an RV is, and as wonderful as the provisions are, it's not home. There is a place, because there's certain things about home, aren't there? There's certain smells about going into your home. There's certain things about just the way your bed is that makes it your bed and not anybody else's bed, because it's home. It's home. Though God will take us and lead us and guide us, and he will comfort us with his rod and his staff, and he will help us rest because he is our shepherd, and yet ultimately he says, I am preparing a place for you that is home. That's where you're going, to be with me. And all of goodness, surely goodness, he says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. It will on the journey and ultimately leads us to home. If we want to, I think, make progress in Christian contentment, it must, we must go to the place which says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me pray. Father, it is my greatest desire to be content in you. Forgive me for when I um, allow myself to wander away from, from your leadership and from your guiding of my life. And will you help us again to restore, restore fellowship with you, to come back to you who is our great shepherd, that we will come back to you and that we will experience the great effects, that we will actually experience the deep well, the deep river of contentment until you take us to be at home, to be with you. Father, thank you for these deep reminders from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.